Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast. This is episode number 47. I am your host, Daniel, and I am here with Jonathan. First off, let us begin by recognizing and appreciating all of our new and consistent listeners. We thank you all in advance for continuing to press play at your own convenience. Jonathan, how are you? You know, I'm blessed and thankful, and I'm appreciating God's grace and mercy every day. You know, when it shows up, and, you know, God knows exactly when I need it. How about you, man? How you doing? It's been a rather tough week, but I'm doing okay otherwise. Okay. Anything you want to share with us on your mind? Nothing really to share. It's just one of those things where you're in the process of going through something, so you have to kind of deal with it. Okay. I see. So, speaking of sharing, there's a few stories I want to tell you about today. But first off, I want to start off by revisiting and talking about what we spoke about last week and the importance of Resurrection Sunday. And then, you know, our conversation... I want to shift it to what we're going to talk about today. So when we take a look about what happened last week, right? We spoke about Luke chapter 17 verses 5 to 6. And we talked about the importance of having faith and that really God's only concern is that you have faith. It's not a matter of how much you have or how little, right? Now, if you have a lot that you obviously have grown in your walk with Christ, right? But if you have a little, Jesus says, that's all you need, right? The size of a mustard seed is really all you need. And God can work with that. And, you know, just thinking about it, what's so fascinating with that is when you plant said mustard seed, right, as has the capabilities of growing, I believe, between five, between five and about six and a half feet. And guess what? Even though the mustard seed is one of the smallest seeds that's ever existed, when it grows, it will be towering over all the other plants that you have in the garden, right? So what's the concept that I wanted to kind of explain a little bit more and what Jesus was getting at? Very simple, right? Your faith can be that small, but guess what? Your belief in God, your trust in God will skyrocket just like the mustard seed once it's planted. So if you ask me what a beautiful concept that is, I think it's an amazing concept, right? Because if you understand it like this, right, your faith has the potential to change and improve and grow. And that takes time. And God is okay with that, right? He's a God of promise, but he's a God of patience. Now, there's one more thing I want to highlight that I didn't get a chance to go in a bit more depth with, right? We were speaking about Romans chapter 14, and we only spoke about the first verse, right? And I wanted. I want to take us back to that verse, but I want us to look at that in the message Bible. So, Daniel, can you do the honors once again and read it? But I want you to read it twice and I want you to read it slow so that people really have an understanding of why I'm choosing the message Bible to articulate this point. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with 
even when it seems they are strong on opinions, but weak in faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. Okay, one more time. Welcome with open arms, fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems they are strong on opinions, but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. Yeah, so this verse is so important because Paul wants us to have grace and mercy to those who are new believers in the faith and those who are struggling, right? Because the reality is, I'm going to take this a little step further, right? We can apply even to those who have some church hurt, right? They've been hurt by church folks or they've been misled by pastors. And even Christians have misrepresented the faith and therefore people are offended and upset. The reality is, as ambassadors for Christ, some of us tend to leave a little harsh mark on the consciousness of, of others. And I want to say this, right? Family, family, family. That's that's not right, right? We must have our arms open to those who need it and let them grow at their own pace. That last part of the verse is so important, which says, remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently, right? We don't know what a person is going through and how their faith in God has been tested, right? So give them time to heal. Keep in mind Paul's remarks in Romans chapter 3 verse 4, which says, Let God be true, but every man be a liar. Which takes me to the book of Numbers. I haven't spoken about the book of Numbers recently or ever on this podcast. But when you look at the book of Numbers, chapter 23 verse 19, it says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Again, this is Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, which says, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he not speak and not act? Does he not promise and not fulfill? My point is the importance of reading God's word will bring about clearer understanding of what God's character is like. Right. You will learn something about his ways. Right. Don't listen to the opinion of others that are trying to tear down the faith. Right. They're clueless. They're speaking reckless with human beings. Guess what? They lie often, frequently. They do it to create chaos, division. Be mindful of that and allow them do it with unjust reasons and means to be nasty and give no reason behind it. They want sometimes to cause you harm and stress, right? And they want you to feel like the war is crashing down on you. Be careful of that because that's not God. So remember this also, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33, Paul says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Again, God is not the author of confusion. But peace, okay? And finally, I want to say this as well. When it comes to agreeing 
or disagreeing. You have to agree to disagree with those in the faith. Understand this is a real thing, right? It can happen. So you don't always have to see eye to eye with someone, right? You can have your disagreements, your different views, but don't let that shadow what you're developing or building with that person. I want us to I want to point us to what what Peter says in first Peter chapter three, verse 15, when he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the, for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. Do it with gentleness and respect. I'll say it one more time. Do it with gentleness and respect. Now that I've spoken in depth about the message we had last week, I can tell you my story. Right? I can tell you my story before we get into prayer. So, this is obviously another story in relation to my car but it's important because it has everything to do with what we discussed last week right so have have and have a conversation with you all about the importance of faith last week two days removed from our discussion which was you know hap- this situation happened on tuesday and we recorded and posted it monday i was faced with having to put in what i talked about into practice right ain't that something seems as though you know I was being tested. So this is what happened. I was in my car around 1030. And so another edition of Hoop Details? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But, so but for the fifth iteration? I guess so. Details. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is what transpired, right? I was in my car. It's around 1030 at night. And I went into a restaurant to pick up an Ubi's order. Immediately after I put the car in drive, I turned the wheel to the right and I heard the ball joint loud and clear as if, you know, it was going to snap. Now, I'm so familiar with that sound because a few years after getting my car, probably about two months removed from buying a car, I was working. And I had heard the same sound and I told my dad about it. Right. So rather than him tell me to take it to the mechanic, he said, keep driving, son. The car is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And since that day, I go on my own intuition. If I hear the sounds of something going on, I get it checked out. If I'm driving and it doesn't feel right, I get it checked out. It's all about comfortability and safety. Sometimes you mention it to somebody else. They may not understand what it is that you're going through. So don't run it by nobody else. If something feels off or not right, Lead with your intuition. Okay. Now, here's what happens, right? So I listened to my conscience and I and I moved accordingly, right? I also believed at the time what transpired and why my dad said that is because I think we were low financially at the time, right? So I also want to make mention of this, right? Those who are striving to drive and you're not leasing, but you're buying a used car. Understand, there are some huge responsibilities, right? And these are part of those responsibilities. You got to make sure the car is riding well. You got to make sure you have to replace parts. And unfortunately, like newer cars, there are no sensors to warn you about certain things, like your tire pressure being low, the dashboard is telling you that there's something wrong or your brakes are low. These 
you know, these cars that I believe from like the 2000s to maybe about 2006, 2007, they don't tell you nothing. You sort of learn as you continue to go and you check frequently, you know, you check things under the hood. So what ended up happening is when I turned the car at the time and I was working and I was attempting to do a broken U-turn, it snapped right in the middle of the street, right? One of the most embarrassing feelings I've ever had. And I told my dad, and honorably enough, right, he stayed with me, and he helped me direct traffic until AAA came. So back to the present moment, right? So these are all the things that I just mentioned that happened, which is why I'm so familiar with the noise, and which is why I made all the adjustments about intuition and going with my conscience, right? So back to the present moment. I had a decision to make, right? Do I try to get the car home or do I call Triple A and let them tow it to the mechanic? And I thought about it, you know, with a few minutes. And what I decided to do was move in faith, trust God, right? Because I didn't want the situation that happened at that time to be a moment of fear, right? That operated in my mind and my conscience. Instead, what I wanted to do instead was remember that moment, but then remember all the past moments where God has been a blessing to me, right? Whether it was me getting to Albany and he protected me, or whether it was me leaving Albany and I happened to be right in front of a gas station when a car pulls over. Like, God is great, regardless of the circumstances and situations. And I know that some of us would look at the situation and say, well, how do I know it's God, right? So I'll tell you, immediately after I realized that was happening, what did I do? Well, I decided to park the car on the side because with a ball joint, you don't want to be doing a, a bunch of different turns aggressively, anything like that, because it'll snap. So I put over to the side and I walked a few blocks, did the drop. And during this whole entire time, I'm talking myself through, OK, this is how we're going to do it. You're going to be confident. You're going to have faith. God has done numerous things throughout your life with your car situation he's gonna get you home so what do i do i get in the car immediately i put on gospel music specifically can't give can't give up now by mary mary and a couple of other songs and i proceeded to drive carefully slowly very aware of what's going on and as i continue to drive mile after mile i got more comfortable more relaxed and before you know it, I was home. And the next day, I got it fixed. So that was the faith that I exercised. It wasn't the most because even after all that God has done for me, that doesn't take away the fact that it's cars capable of snapping when it wants to snap. But I think it was me realizing that there's a chance, it's a high possible chance that I can, I can get home. And I didn't allow fear to take up space in my mind or in my heart and I was able to successfully get home and that's what I wanted to share now I would say this if it did snap I believe that God would have made sure that where it snapped it wasn't occupying or taking up space on the road right I believe I was covered I was protected and wherever the car might have stopped I thought I was going to be okay and yeah any thoughts about the story, Daniel?
Not in particular. It's just kind of listening, and I'm glad that we're able to give a IRL example of how the message is applied to everyday life. So it's more of just a thing where it's like, I'm kind of grateful that it happened so that you can be a testimony to what it looks like in a situation where it could be applied. Yeah. So remember out there, when you're caught between two decisions, also know that you have to praise the Lord at all times and his, his, his praise should continuously always be in your mouth, right? That means pray, you know, praise him in the good times, praise him in the bad times, praise him in the times when you're not sure, praise him in the times where you hope he's going to come through. And, you know, don't be fearful, right? My first thought when I started driving is I always was afraid that I, my car would break down in the middle of the street. Guess what had happened? I got over it. I learned from it. I always was fearful that my car would break down on the highway. Guess what it happened? I dealt with it. Uh, it's over with. Anytime you're driving, anytime you're doing anything, you're going to get to the experiences. So you could be fearful of it, but then also don't get to the point where you're so fearful of it that you feel embarrassed because most people who go through this experience is driving. You're going to have some sort of experience as frequently as we like to drive and we like to travel and we like to be different places. You're going to have moments, even if you've been prepared, you've done everything possible. Something like that is going to occur. So it's nothing like that to let you get frustrated and angry about it. But it's more one of those things where it's going to happen. Know that potentially it's going to happen. And don't let it get to you. And don't let it stress you out. Right? That you'll overcome it. You'll get over it. And you'll be in my predicament right now. In a point where you can share it. And it not bother you. And you can be proud about it. Right? Okay. Kind of reminds me of the famous quote, anticipation doesn't get you to win, it's how you react to the situation. Hmm. You want to elaborate a little bit more about that? You can't plan for everything, but choosing to respond instead of reacting emotionally in situations, being able to detach from your emotions and putting your faith and trust in the decision or the plan that you are going to execute and move forward with. That's all you can really do. And, you know, either the game plan goes too well or, you know, you execute or you don't. It's as simple as that. All right. Well said, Dan. Well said. Okay. Now that I've gotten through this story, I kind of elaborate a little bit more in depth about last week's discussion. We're going to get into some prayer and we're going to talk about this week's discussion. I'm actually really excited. I'm actually pretty proud of what I discovered in the text this week. And I can't wait to share it. All right, so we'll start off with prayer. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We honor you. And we give you all the glory and the praise because we know you deserve it. And we want to let you know that the praise that we give you, it could be in our homes. It could be out in the workplace. It could be in our cars. It could be in the street. It could be in the house, right? It could be in our private time. It could be in your public. No matter where we are, we know that you deserve the glory, the honor, and the praise, and the acknowledgement, right? So as we go into your word today, we ask that you open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand. I pray that once we have had this conversation today, that we move and act in faith, that we start to be more appreciative 
and we take initiative. I say that one more time that we we start to be more appreciative and that we take initiative. Therefore, all in agreement, we say this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so this this discussion for today is going to be about being appreciative and taking initiative. Being appreciative and taking initiative. Being appreciative and taking initiative. But first order of business, it's important that we look up two words, right? So there's two ways of defining to be appreciative. One is to be grateful. Okay, be grateful. The second is feeling or showing gratitude or pleasure. Right, feeling of showing gratitude or pleasure. Initiative. So there's three definitions here. The ability to assess and innate things independently. That's the first one. The power or opportunity to act or take charge before others do. Or to be the first person to take action in a particular situation. So I reread the second one. The power or opportunity to act or take charge before others do, or to be the first person to take action in a particular situation. And the last definition is an act or strategy intended to resolve a difficult or improve a situation or a fresh approach to something. Read that one one more time. An act or strategy intended to resolve a difficulty or improve a situation, a fresh approach to something. So very important to start here. Okay, so let's look at the text for today. We're looking at back in the Luke series, the Gospel Luke series. We're looking at chapter 17, verses 7 through 10. And we're going to look at this in the NLT, the New Living Translation. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No. He says, prepare my meal, put on your apron, and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. And the same when will you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Great job, Dane. Now let's unpack this text, right? Let's look at the first statement. It says, when a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does this master say, come in and eat with me? So Jesus here is asking a legit question here by giving us an example, right? A worker. So I'm going to kind of morph this into a little bit more of our time. And now we can understand it, right? But he says, what I'm trying to say is, a worker you hired, right? Will you invite them to eat with you? And the answer to that question comes in the next statement. He says, no. He says, prepare my will, prepare my meal, put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. Now, that's obviously a role that the master in this text wants the servant to play. Now, let's let us keep reading the next statement. Right. The next statement is, does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. So there's an appreciation. There's no appreciation. There's no appreciation and there's no acknowledgement 
either from the master, right? So there's no appreciation from the master and there's no acknowledgement either from the master. Let's look at the final sentence here. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. So interesting final thoughts from Jesus here, which honestly had me thinking for a while. So why do I think it had me thinking? So there's a couple of statements there. There's some responses. There's a view in which comes off as the predominant view. And there leaves no room for speculation about how we ought to, which is why I'm addressing it right now. Normally, right, I would read from left to right in this case. That would be from verses 7 to 10, right? However, I decided to read from verse 10 to 7. So rather than read from 7 to 10, I decided to go backwards, read from 10 to 7. Because what captured my attention here was Jesus' final thoughts, right? Sometimes when you read sentences and you're trying to figure out, you read, not just sentences, but you read paragraphs and stuff. You're looking for the main idea. You're looking for the important parts of the verses. And what caught my attention here was Jesus' final thoughts. Now, when you really think about what he's saying, you come to the conclusion that Jesus wants us to do more. He wants us to take initiative sometimes to do more. Well, why do I say that? So think about it like this, right? When a servant has done everything that has been signed and commended, commanded to him, right? That's considered the average job. What do I mean by that? You've completed the required task. However, there's nothing else that can be said about you, right? Jesus, not I, but Jesus views you as the average worker. And therefore, he sees you as an unworthy servant. Now, why, why does he do that? Because you did the bare minimum. You did nothing beyond your obligation. You merely did what you ought to do. Now, why is this potentially problematic, right? Well, that got me thinking about the gospel and how we should respond to the gospel. So let us go to Matthew chapter 25. And I want Dane to read verse 31 through 46. And we're going to look at this in the NIV. So please listen carefully to what's going on here. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invited you in, or needed clothes and clothed you? 
when did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, and to the eternal fire prepare for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needed clothes or sick or in prison? And, and did not help you. He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Yeah, great job, Dave. So one thing we can we can say is we don't see the bare minimum behavior here. I see initiative being taken to do something for people who can't give anything back to you. What allows us to move in this type of compassion is Christ's love that's now for those who trust and believe in God. It's a part of our DNA. So what do I mean by this, right? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And we're going to look at this in the Amplified Version. He made Christ, who knew no sin, to judiciously be sin on our behalf, so that in him we will become the righteousness of God. That is, we will be made acceptable to him and placed in a right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. Yeah, so Christ, his righteousness is now on us. So what is that righteousness, right? Let's define righteousness right so when we define righteousness in a worldly context it's the quality of being morally right or justified Let's say that one more time it's the quality of being morally right or justified when we look at righteousness in a sense of the old testament definition it's acting in accordance with divine or moral law. Say that one more time. When you view righteousness in the Old Testament context, it's the righteousness is defined as acting in accordance with divine or moral law. Definition for Old Testament righteousness is acting in according with divine or moral law. However, this is what I want you to get out of reading 2 Corinthians 5.21 is that what's important is what makes a person righteousness in God's eyes isn't about their choices or commitments or their good works or even their emotions or intellect. Instead, our righteousness is because the Father chose us from the foundation of the world. So because of Christ's death, all those those who are born again have that righteousness on us, which allows us to fulfill the correct ethical conduct. 
What do I mean? That conduct is to be Christ-like. In that conduct, we take initiative because we understand what Jesus stated at the dinner table to his disciples before his last hour with his disciples, right? Well, let's go to the gospel of John. We're going to look at chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. And what does it say, Daniel? A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple, if you love one another. All right, great job. So now let's go back for the text for today, right? We go back to Luke 17, verse 7 through 10. And this is how you put it together, right? When a servant or worker, and I'm looking at this in a more modern approach now, right, comes in from working as an ambassador, as an ambassador for Christ, you'll be in a better position to change the narrative. What do I mean? When a servant has been working all day and then comes inside, the first response that we got was whether or not you as the master would pull up a table and ask the servant to come sit with you and eat. And the answer was no, right? The answer was serve the master. And then after you've put your apron on and you've taken care of the master, while also after you've been working all day in the fields, then you can go do what you want to do after you've made me happy. But working as an ambassador for Christ, you'll be in a position to change the narrative. So think about is the best example, right? Think about how long our parents have taken care of us when we were young, right? They would come in from working for about eight to ten hours in a shift. Then they would proceed to cook and make food, not just for themselves, but for us. Then they would take care of whatever our needs were, whatever that was going on individually, whether it was assisting us and helping us with our homework or whatever it might have been, signing things that need to be signed. And then after all that, then they would take care of themselves. And I believe all of us who grew up and had parents or adopted parents or brothers or sisters that were old enough to take care of us, we understood that that's what was the process. But what I want you to realize now is that because you are a representative, because you are an ambassador for Christ, you're in a position to show your appreciation for that person who's been doing that for however long they've been doing it for. And you show your appreciation by recognizing what they've done, because I know you've recognized the pattern, and taking the initiative, right? Make dinner sometimes or take them out to dinner, right? Instead, right? Do the little things that matter, right? Take out the trash, right? Clean the bathroom. Clean the kitchen, mop the floors, take initiative, be the person who understands and takes off some of the burden that your parent might be feeling, right? Or your husband, if you're the husband, your wife might be feeling, or if you're the wife, your husband might be feeling. And if you're you're you're, you're roommating with friends, right? Maybe your friend might be feeling, right? It's your job to show what crisis of love is all about, right? 
one of my favorite verses in first John is let us not love with words or speech, but in action and in truth. So the point is you're in a predicament now that because you have God's righteousness on you, that when these predicaments happen, you can change that narrative. You don't have to go with what possibly might have been traditional, right? And then not to, to see what's going on and to not lend a hand in those moments is to kind of ignore what's transpiring when you can do so much better. Again, it's not about doing the bare minimum. And I'm not saying you do this every single time, but I'm saying there are times where you can left, you know, you can lend a hand and you can make a difference. And I think we all have the ability to do that. Okay. And after doing that, then God will see you as a worthy servant because you took the initiative. You took the initiative. Now, I want to take it a step further and I want to tell you the second story. Right. And I want to tell you this story and how it relates to this text. So one day I'm driving home. And. I just finished doing a drop. And as I'm driving home. I see this older woman struggling to walk right middle of the street. Struggling to walk, I mean, seriously struggling to walk. And because I noticed it because I stopped at the red light and I looked in my review mirror and I just see her struggling. So what did I do? I backed the car out. I backed the car up. I get out and I go up to her. And she's crying. And why is she crying? I said, hey, what's going on? Can I help you with something? And she expressed to me that she works for an independent homemade company. And she's in her 60s. And she's talking about how she has arthritis in her right leg. And she's she's trying to get home. And I said, well, how far is home from here? She says about four blocks. So I said, let me let me help you. And she says, really? That's so nice of you. And I said, let me help you. So I take her stuff up, put it in the back of my car and I drive her. To her apartment complex and she spoke about how she used to live in the brownstones and she no longer lives in the brownstones so like brownstones are, uh, are one of the most famous homes that you can have in brooklyn because of the, the development and how it was structured right it has high ceilings has plenty of space so brownstones and and brooklyn can go anywhere between i believe seven hundred thousand dollars to about five six seven even ten million dollars that's how valuable they are and they're they're usually rooted within I want to say best eye and, and there's some up in the lower part of Manhattan, right? But but get this, right? So I I started processing and realizing like she's an older woman in her sixties. She just was taking care of somebody else as a sixty year old, and there's no one to take care of her. And she's barely able to walk. And we spoke for a little while and she said, you know, I have so much tears running down my face because in this situation of weakness, there's nobody here to help me out. There's no one here to assist me. And I'm doing a job where I'm doing the assistant to somebody else. And I understood her pain. And since that day, you know, me and her have built a great relationship. Sometimes she reaches out to me. She asks me, hey, could you 
take me here because you take me there. And I do it willingly. We have great discussions about numerous different topics. And she's also expressed the same thing with her partner, right? She she's taking care of somebody else for for hours at a time. And then she comes home and the partner has no sort of understanding that, hey, maybe I can assist and do some sort of help. Maybe I can try. Maybe maybe I can I can cook dinner one day. Maybe I can clean. But instead, he's more concerned about what she can do for him. Right. Make my dinner. Wash my clothes. And what makes this story so powerful is we we tend sometimes to overlook the different professionals, professions out there that, you know, struggle and deal with the same thing. Right. So so just to name a few that I'm thinking about, think about servers. Right. They, they're standing all day. They're working. They're taking orders. They're trying to make sure that they're familiar with the menu so that they can give you the best possible you know, referral to what you might want to eat or might want to drink. And they do all this and they come home and they feed her and there's no one to rub their feet. And, and guess what? They probably have kids and now they got to take care of kids. And, and, and there's a missing element there. Right. Or we, we start to realize that the different jobs that are out there, right. There are people that are exhausted, whether it's mentally, whether it's emotionally, whether it's physically, there's so much people out there that are struggling for exhaustion. And I just want to say those who are believers and those who aren't right. If you just believe in being a kind, generous, respectful person to somebody else, do yourself a favor and be a better servant. Be a better servant, because there's going to come a point in time where the shoe's going to be on the other foot. You're going to be struggling. You're going to want assistance. And I'm pretty sure that if you do that, God will make sure that there's someone else to look after you. So going back to this lady, her name is Sherry. You know, now she's very appreciative and she talks about how kind and how generous of a person I am. But I want her to recognize that it's the Christ in me that she sees. And I believe that a lot of us, the Christ in us can be seen if we take initiative and also be appreciative. Right. Same thing to, you know, when we're dealing with these waitresses. Right. Say thank you. Say I appreciate it. In the story, right, the, the the master doesn't do that, right? I understand it's their job, but there's a certain level of mannerisms that we should be acting in, right? Just be a bit more nice. Be a bit more appreciative of what's happening, right? You go to sit down at a table. You go to sit at a table to be treated, loved, treated and loved for that period of time. So that's what I wanted to bring to our attention you know we can do a little bit more right we can cater to the people that need it we can stand there and be better servers just like christ when he died on the cross he did he was treated like crap and all in the way in which he was treated he thought about us he had he had us in plans for what he wanted us to do for us to live more abundantly and freely and I think the best thing we can do is, like Christ said, they will know you are my disciples based upon how you love one another. And the same thing in First John. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God's love can be experienced through how we treat and respect and honor one another. So 
before we move on to devotion is there is there anything daniel that you want to add or any comments you want to make honestly i feel like that is the devotion for the week i don't think it really anything else to say like just go forth and try your best to be a kind and caring and empathetic individual i don't think you can really i don't think you can say anything better to take into the week to be honest mm. i think that's good okay yeah so so that's okay so with that being said i value daniel's opinion and what he has to say so no devotion this week all right Thank mm-hmm. you.